Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Lizelle Wellbeing Show with me, Lizelle. Well, this week I am joined by the very brilliant Dr. Ifoma Ejikemi. Now, she is the founder and medical director of the premium West London Medical and Aesthetics Clinic, which is called Adonia Medical Clinic, which currently holds the highly esteemed aesthetics award for the best clinic in London. And you should hear about her medical qualifications. She is a legend. She's also passionate about helping people feel comfortable in their skin. And having worked with over 30,000 patients, there is very little that she hasn't seen and cannot help to treat. Well, top of these skin concerns for many is adult acne. And this extremely common condition can develop on the face, but also on the chest, the shoulders, the back and other areas of the body. And of course, it's not just a feminine thing. If severe and left untreated, it can lead to scars and permanent markings on the skin. And I have to say, we have just had a fascinating conversation about what can cause this condition, why it can linger or even emerge in adult life and how to treat both active acne and the scars and the pigmentation it tends to leave behind. I really hope you enjoy the interview. So much to talk about in regards to skin and more. And as always, you can head over to YouTube if you would like to see the video podcast. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. Uh, so welcome, Ifoma. It's very, very nice to have you with us talking about a subject that, honestly, I get so many questions and comments about. It's uh, it's really such a big topic for so many of all ages. But before we dive into the world of acne, let's hear a little bit about your background and how you came to be such an expert and working in aesthetics as well. Sure. So um, my background, I'm a doctor, a medical consultant at UCLH in general medicine. And then I have specialist training in aesthetic dermatology at Queen Mary's University, where I study and train people from across the world in all sorts of different um, ailments that pertain to cosmetics. So this could be anything from dermal fillers, threads, lasers, peels, resurfacing, body contouring, as well as things that kind of cross between medicine and aesthetics, such as acne, hyperpigmentation, rosacea, and I founded a clinic in 2017 called Adonia Medical Clinic, which is a skin clinic that does everything from hair loss <laughs> all the way through 
And um, the clinic's been going really well. We won Best Clinic London. We've done that one Best Clinic London for a few years now, two years Fantastic. in a row. Fantastic. Um, so, that is yeah. so it's a good. Passion. I can, I, as I can tell, I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> and I, I love it. I love meeting people and experts who are so passionate. That's really interesting, isn't it? The rise of all of this. And I think it's amazing that we've got specialist doctors like you who are so well trained medically because. I don't know about you, but I hear just horror story after horror story of people, you know, popping into their local high street to, you know, a hairdresser or a dentist or somebody and, and ending up with a really, a really bad result. Is is a bit of your work to do with fixing as well as doing? Definitely. I'd say about 20 to 30% of everything I see is corrective work. Um, and lots of people will go somewhere where they see a deal or they think it's not really a big deal to have these sorts of treatments. But we have to remember it's anatomy. And when things are fine, yes, everything is great. But when things go wrong, the person that's doing the treatment should be able to manage any complications, like any form of medicine. You know, if you have to stick a paracetamol, something can happen. And the person giving the paracetamol should know what could go wrong and how to treat it. So I think that's, that's really key. What do you think are the riskiest areas of aesthetics? What, what do you see most of that you have to put right? I think an area that people think is really, really easy is the lips. Um, I do more dissolving of lips. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> and so with the lips, the lips is such a mobile part of our body, of our face. And it's such an area that we need it functionally. And we use it. And in terms of when people see you, they usually look at the eyes and the lips. And so irregularities in the lips, lumps in the lips, or lips that are just do not match the natural facial features is awkward and uncomfortable, can be uncomfortable. So that's an area that people often say they've had work done elsewhere and they'd like me to dissolve it and then do something that's much more natural in keeping with the natural aesthetic. Gosh, so you can actually dissolve things like lip fillers, can you? It sounds very painful, I have to say. You can, and you can make it more comfortable too. So we use lots of topical anesthetic, we use lots of ice. So it doesn't need to be something that's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. And. Just interestingly, I, I, I talk to a lot of medics on this show and a lot of doctors. How do they see your work? I mean, do, do they see aesthetics as being a little bit frivolous or, or are people really accepting that actually how we look relates so closely to self-esteem and confidence and mental health, actually? I think it's a spectrum. Um, and I think that there are some doctors who really understand how much the, what you present to the world affects you every single day. Um, and are very appreciative of the specialty of aesthetic medicine because, you know, whilst if you, something goes wrong with the heart, you fix the heart and you continue. But something goes wrong with your face, everybody will see you every single day and you get feedback, positive or negative. And that can have humongous implications on your mental health and your sense of self and how you're able to do the things that you need to do to function and do the things you need to do to thrive. And of course, there are a small subset of, of doctors who perhaps are less connected with that and don't appreciate it. But I think in my experience, the people I've come across understand that it's a fantastic specialty that you do need medical training for um, in the same way as you do plastics or dermatology or any other specialty. Really, I mean, I love it, and, and you're you're so cutting edge. Let's go on and talk about the topic of today, which is acne, and in particular, adult acne. I know it's a condition that we really often associate with teens, but how common is it to have somebody in later life who, who is afflicted with it? It is extremely common. 
it's extremely common. Almost everybody at some point in their life will have what could be described as acne. Almost everybody. And that might be in your teenage years. That might be around the time of the month. That might be around menopause. It's common in men. It's common in women. So it is something that affects most people at some point in their life. Um, and it's something that I think when we think, think about teenage acne, I get loads of patients that say, I turned 30, I turned 40, I used to have perfect skin. How am I getting spots now? And it's about changing that to know that actually spots can happen at any time. It's just about having the tools to be able to address it. And what's the definition of acne? Because you talk about spots there. I mean, is, is acne spotty skin in various different stages, if you like, or, or degrees of severity? No, there's a definition. So with, with acne, you have to have comedones. So you have to have, um, essentially, the way that acne works, I could think about it, is the three main pillars of acne. You have oils, you have inflammation, and you have bacteria. So when you have these comedones, it's kind of a culmination of those three. They actually start in the hair root. That's actually where a spot starts. We are covered. If you feel your face right now, you'll feel these tiny, tiny hairs. So we are still covered in hairs. And each of those hairs is a follicle and is a pore. And what's happening in acne is the inside, the lining of the hair, it, there's an increase in the shedding of the lining. There's an increase in oil. And all of this creates a, um, a medium that the bacteria that causes acne likes. But in actual fact, that bacteria is there on everybody. You touch your, if you touch your arm, you've got it on your hand. It's there on everybody. So why is it that in some people, this then leads to acne? And it's actually our own body's response to this. So it's the inflammation. Our body detects a, a change in the amount of that bacteria and then tries to send help to try and destroy that bacteria. And that's the inflammatory process. So you've got to have this oil, the bacteria, and then the body's response, the inflammation, that leads to continued persistent spots and comedones, and that is acne. So you talk about the different stages. Obviously, we know it and associate it with teenage years, and then people will come to you, as you say, later in life, you know, particularly around pregnancy or post-pregnancy. It could be around menopause. This is clearly leading us to think about a hormonal connection then. Is, is that what's driving it? So the hormones have an impact. The different hormones in our body can drive the amount of oils and the amount of inflammation. Um, so specifically, estrogen, testosterone, specifically testosterone, the balance between the two can change the amount and the thickness of oils. So this is why most women will, will often have spots, usually that start about five days before their menstruation. And that's because of there's a peak in uh, the LH surge, which is a peak in one of the hormones in the body. And then our estrogen starts to drop and our progesterone and testosterone start to rise. And this tweak in our hormone balance leads to more and thicker oils. So in people who are prone to it, it can just tip you into getting a few spots. So that is a huge driver. And then we know that at different times of our development around puberty, there's lots of changes in our hormones. Around menopause, there's lots of changes in our hormones. Pregnancy. So there are these times in our lives where you often get a burst of activity in terms of spots or acne might emerge for the first time. That's really fascinating. So losing a bit of estrogen tips that balance, essentially. It can do. Yeah. I guess we've just like... Yes. So, so during pregnancy, a lot of women glow. 
don't they? And that, you know, I've, I've heard that said is due to the increased amount of estrogen in the body and estrogen kind of giving you that amazing, that amazing glow. Is that why things like the contraceptive pill are sometimes prescribed to girls during teenage years for their skin? Yes, in that context, actually the, the pills that are usually used is actually to try and block the amount of androgens or the male sex hormone, which is available, this is available in all women. It actually blocks that a little bit. So it changes, it tips that balance a little bit. And then it blends and changes the amount of um, hormones that can be a driver for spots. It works sometimes. It doesn't always work, but it's one of the tools that's available. And what about for boys then? Because obviously teenage boys who you, you do tragically see sometimes actually covered in acne. Is that because they are their androgens have gone a bit out of control and they, they have too much testosterone? It's not necessarily too much. It's just the way their body perceives it. Because of... If it's it's interesting that why doesn't everybody get spots at menopause in pregnancy? It's just that balance, and everybody's body responds to it. So remember, we have the we have the bacteria, the implant, the um, the oils, and then the body's response to it. And it's the body's response to these changes that leads to the inflammation, and the amount of inflammation then can lead to the amount of spots that happen. I, absolutely, I mean, very well explained. What about the skin's own microbiome? We, we hear a lot about our microbiome and our immune response starting in the gut. Does the skin have its own microbiome and does that play a role? It does. And this is such a fascinating new topic in skin. You know, we know so much about the gut now and how much the microbiome in the gut can affect so many things. And we are only just scratching the surface of the skin. We know that we are covered with millions and millions of different organisms, bacteria, fungi, viruses, mites, and they're our friends. <laughs> they're our friends. And we used to talk about a bacteria in skin called P. acne. And we thought before that this was causing spots. And we've changed the name now to C. acne. And that's there to signify that actually it is a spectrum. And they're not nasty. They're not a pathogen. They're actually there to help us. But it's about the balance. When our microbiome is out of balance, then it can unveil things like spots, even eczema, even rosacea. We now know that all of these things, there's a link now we know to a balance, our microbiome being out of whack. But we're still trying to understand exactly what the perfect balance is. And I think like our gut, it's probably slightly different for every person. That's so fascinating. And do we influence our skin's microbiome through what we eat, through creating the, the, the good bacteria in the gut that then somehow works its way onto the skin? Or is it more about topical application for, for the skin's microbiome? So this is all new and something that's actually currently being investigated now. What we know is that there is a skin-gut axis, that there is a link between the microbiome and our gut, because our gut is actually part of the outside world, something that we don't often think about. Our gut is part of the outside world in the same way that our skin is part of the outside world. And we know there's a link. We now don't know how to balance that link. We don't know how to, whether if we add more, more bacteria to our skin, what that will do, because we, don't, we just don't have enough information yet. But this is something that probably in the next five to 10 years, we'll be able to say, I hope, here's this cream, it may help your microbiome on your skin. You know, I, I can only hope that's where we end up. Amazing. I, I've heard of people cleansing their face with kefir, for example, you know, full of beneficial gut bugs and, uh, you know, and, and having amazing results with troubled skin. So that, that could be potential, do you think? 
Yeah, well, we don't know yet, but that's really interesting. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. What about genetics? Are, are some people more genetically predisposed to things like acne? They are, they are. So some people have naturally oily skin. Some people have naturally dry skin. And what that means is the sebum, the oil content, is just genetically less. And we know that people that have genetically more oily skin are usually more prone to developing spots. It's very rare to see someone with true dry skin develop acne. That's really rare. So at what stage then should somebody come to, to get some medical help? And, and what sort of treatments could they expect? So I say that at any point, if it concerns you, whether that's one spot or 10 spots, that's the time to seek help. Um, but for everybody, if at any point any of the spots are leaving scars, and scars can be red in lighter skin types, they can be brown in darker skin types, or they can be textured, then it's really vitally important to, to seek help because the scarring is more challenging to manage. And we can prevent scars now with a lot of really good treatments as well as medications. Mm, brilliant. And what sort of things would you would be your first line of action if you were seeing a new patient with adult acne? So the first thing I do is I actually do a very, very detailed consultation where we look at absolutely everything that is causing it, that may be causing it, and there's some evidence. So we start with simple things, just asking um, my patient, how do you wash your face? Tell me about your routine. And we go through every single step, cleansers they use, moisturizers, sunscreens, and how they do it too. Are they scrubbing their face? Are they using a, abrasive materials? Are they using their hands? What's happening? We go through everything, allergies as well, because we do know that there is a link between allergies and spots. It's particularly dairy. And that's something we didn't know before, but we now know that in people who, are, who have a true intolerance or allergy to dairy, if they keep taking dairy in any form, it may lead to spots. So if they've got spots and they're allergic, that's one thing you address straight away. Interesting. Would that be linked to the protein? I mean, it, or, or, the, or the, the sugars? Are you talking about lactose intolerance or casein? It's lactose intolerance, lactose intolerance. Sugars are something separate. We also know that, that diets that are high in sugar also have a link to spots. So people used to think about, oh, is it fried food? Whilst fried food may not be good for other parts, it's actually not linked to acne at all. So it's really sugar and then a dairy in people who are intolerant to dairy. So to the lactose. Interesting. With the sugars, is that linked to inflammation? It is. Exactly. Creating a pro-inflammatory pro state. Again, those three pillars again, pushing that um, sugars and the inflammation to drive the body's response to what's naturally happening in the skin. So we look at all sorts of different things. We then go into... Um, some actual just gentle treatments first. So if there's something in the routine that's pushing, driving acne, such as using an occlusive cream that is preventing the natural circulation of the skin, we might stop that, such as coconut oil um, is one that if somebody's got acne and they're using coconut oil on their skin, things like that I would remove from their routine. And starting a very basic skincare routine. So what would you describe as basic? What would be your kind of pared down cleansing routine? So it would be to cleanse, moisturize, and sunscreen. Right. And when you're cleansing, are you using like foams or gels or, or non-foaming non cleansers? So I recommend two types of cleansers. So it will be the regular cleanser, which is a foaming cleanser, which would be used twice a day. And then adding in an active cleanser to help balance the oils in the skin, something like a salicylic acid, around about 2%, that can be used throughout the week. And we would 
kind of adjust depending on how oily their skin is. So for some people, it might be three times a week at night. And for some people who are really oily, it might be twice a day. So getting that, not drying out the skin too much, but adding in something into the routine to help with that oil content in the skin. Using a moisturizer that's non-comedogenic, water-based or oil-free, and also a sunscreen that's formulated for acne-prone skin. So starting with the real basics. Yeah. And interesting, you talk about salicylic acid. Talk us through that for those who haven't heard. What is that as an ingredient? It sounds a little bit scary. Okay, so salicylic acid is a BHA or a beta-hydroxyl acid. Now, this is something that's not scary at all. <laughs> um, it's, it's an acid, but they're very, very gentle. And what essentially what it does is it very gently exfoliates the absolute top layer of the skin. That's the stratum corneum, the very top layer. And so, but the other benefits of this specific type of exfoliating agent is that it helps to balance the oils in the skin. So if there's very, very oily skin, it actually dampens that down a little bit. But it's a great acid that works very superficially. So you won't have peeling skin, you know, that Sex in the City episode with Samantha, that won't happen to you. <laughs> it's very gentle. And you use it as much as you need to just to reduce the oil content in the skin. And that can help be very helpful in, in spot prone skin. Fantastic. And are these the sort of things that we can get over the counter or, or do we need a prescription? Over the counter, you can get it at your local pharmacy. Mm, really amazing. And it will say salicylic acid yeah. on the back. Yeah, well, certainly. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people wanting to try that. When you talk about gentle exfoliation and cell renewal, is that something that also plays into, you know, so-called anti-aging routine, something to keep the skin looking more youthful? Absolutely. Um, cell renewal is so important. Microexfoliation is so important. And while salicylic acid is excellent for oily or acne prone skin, for somebody that has more mature skin and wants to have, um, or maybe dry skin may want to try something like a lactic acid, which is a hydrating exfoliating acid, which works in a similar way. It's derived from, well, historically derived from cow's milk. Now there are other, there are other formulations. And that ex gently exfoliates too, but hydrates the skin and does something similar for drier skin. How interesting. So I'm coming back to my kefir cleanser now. That's all, all yes. full of lactic <laughs> acid. <laughs> now I want to talk to you about light treatment because I'm very interested in, uh, in light on the skin, the use of LED in particular, you know, red light for aging and blue light. I've, I've read a lot about being very good for problem prone skin. What's your view on that? I do like it. It's evidence-based. I'm all about evidence-based treatments. And, um, and blue light has been shown to reduce the bacteria that can be associated with spots, with the sea acne. So it reduces that, it creates an unfavorable environment. So the bacteria doesn't like that. So this can be very helpful, especially at different times when you may not want to use some medications, but also works in conjunction with medications as well. And the treatments are serial treatments. You can do them once a week, once in two weeks. You can do them at home in some, in some at home kits. And it's really helpful for that. Yeah, amazing. Well, my, my daughter has a, a, an LED mask um, company called Cell Return, and, and she one of the settings is blue light, and, and it's really extraordinary actually the, the results. And you know, non-invasive, uh, you know, which uh, as you say can be used alongside other things. So, what about diet? I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, acne. You know, you've got to give up chocolate. We've already talked about fried foods. It's so interesting to hear you talk about the inflammatory response with sugars, because I hear that from virtually every medic I talk to in every field of medicine, you know, sugar, there doesn't seem to be any redeeming factors, does there, when it comes to sugar? Can you think of any benefits? I can't. 
Well, the only benefit is the feeling that the feeling of well-being. Nice. <laughs> but no, with with aging, yeah. you've got glycation, so it advances yeah. aging. It's helped. It it can trigger spots. So this and it, the teeth. You know, we've also got the issue with rotting teeth. So there's definitely lots of downsides. Lots of downsides. Talk to me about glycation because I'm fascinated by this. So. Um, sugars can actually accelerate the aging process. Whenever I say it, I'm just, it kind of blows your mind that actually it accelerates the, the aging process through a process known as glycation, which is essentially adding an additional element to the ends of the cells, which can actually extend or accelerate aging. That's frightening, isn't it? <laughs> Would that be, you know, obviously we're looking at epidermal cells and we're looking at skin cells for, for making the skin look bad and age faster, wrinkling and loss of elasticity and that kind of thing. But is that aging our cells systemically? I mean, is that literally kind of degenerating us from within by the amount of sugars that we're eating? In, in a context, it is. In a context, it is. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. Isn't that extraordinary? I mean, I'm, I'm a passionate anti-sugar um, campaigner so it's it's just always very interesting when I talk to medics in different areas of specialization to hear you know that being backed up from a, from a specialist point of view so what about the things that would help then potentially in the diet are there any supplements for example that you think you know could be useful for skin health so when it comes to skin health I always say that if your cardiologist is happy then your skin is happy because it's it's the skin, in terms of the totem pole, the body is going to invest in the brain, the heart, the lungs over the skin. So if you're deficient or not even deficient, if you're poorly, if your nutrition is poor in any aspect, you will pull from the skin, the hair, the nails and the teeth. So I love to think about diet and having a rainbow plate. So having lots of locally sourced, if possible, foods that are all the colors of the rainbow, you know, your beetroot, your carrots, your kale, your yellow carrots, you know, all these sorts of different, have your plate look like that. And that will increase the likelihood that you are continually having lots of different minerals and vitamins. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Because the thing about when we test for deficiency, you have to be really quite low for the for us to know that actually you're now deficient. You can have poor skin, poor hair, poor nails, even when you're not deficient. So that having that base is very good. Now, we often get into patterns of eating the same food all the time. And so you tend to end up over a 10-year period being deficient in the same sorts of things or poorly having poor nutrition because of your inadvertently excluding certain things from your diet. And that's when a general multivitamin can become helpful. So I usually recommend that you do have a general multivitamin because if most people don't tend to have that rainbow plate every single day, multiple times through the day. And are there other things that you're particularly fond of? I mean, are you a fan of things like the omega-3s, for example, for skin, you know, healthy fats, I don't know, vitamin D. Avocado. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing. I am, I am, I am. I'm a big fan of avocado. It has so many of these good plant-based omegas as well, good fats as well. Um, But if that's not possible, the omega-369 are fantastic. Zinc, magnesium. These are all great things for our skin, but it's so much better if we can get them in our diet, because what tends to happen is that we tend to say, okay, I've taken, I've taken my vitamins, therefore I can skimp on all these different parts. But actually what we do know now is that it's not just taking the vitamin, but the way the body processes that. And you usually need other vitamins alongside them. So when you get them in your diet, it usually has that balance within it. So I think one thing that's great and has really helped me um, to try and do this is to get a a box every week of locally sourced ingredients. Whatever's in the box is in the box. Yeah, and you have to eat (laughs) it. it. You've got to eat it. It always looks different. Sometimes they're browns and oranges and greens and reds and purples. And you're getting good nutrients. And you throw it in the smoothie if you're not sure what to do with it. And you know that you're getting those nutrients every week. Yeah, fantastic. What about things like collagen? Are you a fan of collagen supplements? So collagen is a is a contentious one, I think, because as far as the evidence goes, we don't have good evidence to say that if you take collagen, it will have a discernible change in the collagen in your skin. When you take any food, your body breaks it down into the amino acids, and then your body's going to utilize those amino acids whichever way it chooses, and that might be the gut today and the brain tomorrow. Um, and again, we know that the skin is going to be down there in terms of how it was, it's going to prioritize other parts of the body, the joints, the eyes, in, form, in terms of where you may see the improvement. So I don't have a problem with collagen. I don't think you should, I wouldn't say never take collagen, but I certainly would say that if you're taking it directly to see an improvement in the skin, that's probably, you're probably not going to see that improvement because we don't have the evidence to show that there is that direct link. That's really interesting. I think people forget that collagen is, is the connective tissue that is just so important for joint health. And I remember talking to researchers about it, saying that originally the clinical trials were done for conditions like arthritis and, and, and mobility. Um, and then, unfortunately, those trials didn't, um, didn't ever really see the light of day. So, yes, I, I know people who do take it for other reasons, you know, not, not just for 
cosmetic reasons. So going back to the subject of, of acne, sorry, I'm, I'm so fascinated to talk to you about so many different things. We've gone slightly, slightly off topic here. What can be done if you're listening to this and you're saying, well, that's all well and good. You know, you're talking about prevention and making things better. Supposing you have been left with acne scarring and some kind of pigmentation. Is, is that just a done deal or, or is there any hope for, for helping to correct that? Oh, there absolutely is hope. But even before we, we move to the, I want to just talk about things that people can do generally to actually help with the spots. Great. Yeah, please. Um, so we've talked about salicylic acid and then over the counter, there's also benzyl peroxide, which is something that people can add into their routine that they don't have to have a prescription for. Benzyl peroxide causes drying up of the pustules. So when you see white pus on the skin, it can help with that. And that's something you can cautiously introduce into your skincare routine once or twice a week if you've got, if you're just starting or even up to every single day. So these are things- How would you do that? Would you just dab it on the pustule with like a cotton bud or would you use it all over? You would. You would use it on the pustule, but you can also use it in areas that are prone to spots. So if you tend to always get spots on your jawline or always get spots on your forehead, you can put it in even preventatively on that area. Oh, interesting. And have that as part of your routine, especially if your skin is very oily. Now, once you've tried all of these at-home steps, you've you've you know ta you've tapered down your skincare routine, you've added in salicylic acid, you've tried a benzyl peroxide. Now you need to try something else, and that's where you can start to talk to your GP or somebody like myself to, to add in additional steps. And sometimes people are really afraid of oral tablets. You know, we've got antibiotics, there are um, different types of, of the contraceptive pill, which we've mentioned, but there are also topical options. There's topical antibiotics and there's topical retinoids, which is a whole group uh, in, of ingredients that can help balance the oils in our skin, help with texture, help to reduce spots. And there are lots of options that are available depending on your age, your goals to help both with the treatment of spots and scarring as well. And then the last one just to mention is Roaccutane, which if you're getting lots and lots of spots and they're leading to scarring, then your GP would refer you on to the, to the review to see if Roaccutane can be helpful for you. And what is Roaccutane? So Roaccutane is an oral form of the retinoids, kind of the strongest of our retinoids. Um, and it's an oral tablet that helps to change, dramatically change the amount of oils, not just in the skin and the whole body. Um, and it's been shown to be extremely effective in people that have severe acne to reduce the amount of oils in the skin. And it's very, very helpful. There are other options. It's not Roaccutane or nothing. There are lots and lots of other options that are available, including chemical peels. Um, and resurfacing treatments that can be really helpful to calm down spots. Gosh, and things like lasers as well. But maybe that, that is that something that now we're going to talk about scars and pigmentation would, would that that category? Yes. So lasers can be used to reduce the amount of spots. We have a protocol that we use for certain people that have very inflammatory, irritated spots that we want to just reduce with reduce the inflammation and then reduce the redness in them. So you can use lasers even when you have active spots as well. Now moving on to treatment of, um, so scars can come in all different shapes. They can be brown, they can be red, or they can be textured. And if they're textured, they have different names which aren't so important, but essentially there's a divot in the skin in some way. And so the treatments will be focused on whatever your core concern is. So if it's redness, then there are things like azelaic acid, which is phenomenal for redness, 
And this is something that helps to reduce superficially the redness in the skin. Um, and it can come as a topical form, which you can find even over the counter. You don't need a prescription for it. There are lots of preparations at 10% that you can find. And you can find it at higher percentages through a GP um, that will help with reducing the redness in the skin. That's amazing. Would, would, would that also work? Sorry to cut across you. Would that also work for rosacea, which can cause redness? Absolutely. Yes, it is a fantastic treatment to help the redness in the skin for rosacea. If you have redness in your skin, you need to know about azelaic acid. Azelaic acid, <laughs> excellent. Thank you. <laughs> Another one to add to the list. Yep. Yes. And if the, if the concern is pigmentation or brown spots in the skin, then there's a whole host of ingredients known as tyrosinase inhibitors. And these include ingredients like arbutin, licorice extract, kojic acid, even vitamin C. Um, and there's some prescription ones as well. And they help to reduce the, the dark spots on the skin. And then used repeatedly over time will fade away the dark spots without necessarily changing your natural skin tone. So that's also possible. So it's just well. really focused on the areas of excess pigmentation, the, the, you know, the really dark spots that you get rather than overall skin. Yes. Usually when I treat though, it's very difficult just to treat one dark spot. I normally treat the whole skin. And depending on the, the agent that you use, it doesn't it usually help the cell-to-cell -cell signaling, which essentially means that this patch of skin over here will communicate better with this patch of skin, so it blends your skin tone. So it's very, very helpful in removing dark spots, but also evening out skin tone. As well. Isn't that fascinating? Cell-to-cell -cell signaling. Are our little skin cells talking to each other then? They are. They are. But as we age, cell-to-cell -cell signaling doesn't function as effectively. So you end up with islands of pigment, so patches of, of skin kind of acting by themselves. Really, they've gone rogue and they've just they've gone to darken. <laughs> Wow. Do you know, I've, I've been reading up on um, supplements like glutathione and being the master antioxidant and reading that that can help even skin tone, not necessarily lighten overall, but, but just sort of even out where, where there are areas of dark pigmentation. Would that potentially be something to do with that cell to cell signaling then? It could be. I know less about that, but glutathione is the most important antioxidant in the body. So it's very, very um, free radical damage is a big cause of hyperpigmentation. So something that prevents that free radical damage will definitely help brighten your skin. How fascinating. And uh, presumably with your work, you are passionate about daily sunscreens. Oh, yes. <laughs> but come on. I think I have about half my Instagram account is like dedicated to sunscreen posts. <laughs> really? But if I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're living, most of us listening to this will be living in, you know, Northern Europe not much sun, uh, staying indoors in the winter. Come on, do we really need a daily sunscreen? We really, really do. Okay, really sell it do. to me then, because <laughs> I'm not convinced. <laughs> so why do we wear sunscreen? We've got UVA and UVB. UVB is that hot day. It's a hot day, blue skies, you feel it on your skin. You feel that burn and you usually can only tolerate it for a small period of time. And we know that UVB causes changes, mostly superficial, also deep, but mostly superficial, and can lead to skin cancers. And so we wear sunscreen, and your factor 10, 20, 30, 40 is linked to the coverage of UVB. So we need to protect against UVB to prevent that. Now, what about UVA? UVA is the reason why in the UK we all don't look 50. <laughs> 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 because UVB 
if you can see sunlight right now, and I can see sunlight over my right-hand side, I'm getting exposed to UVA. So whenever you're getting, whenever you can see sunlight, you're getting UVA exposure. And UVA is silent. You don't feel it. And it travels deep and causes DNA changes deep in the dermis. That leads to hyperpigmentation, fine lines and wrinkles, redness and telangiectasia, exposure, uneven skin tone and aging. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, what about things like, like makeup? Because makeup is mineral pigment. So that's going to give you a little bit of protection, isn't it? Absolutely. So the minimum factor that we're looking for to start to protect some of this is factor 30. And when they're actually testing a sunscreen, they use one centimeter of product on one centimeter squared. That's a lot of That's protection. a thick paste. It's a thick that's paste. a bit of a con, really, because that's not how you use it in daily life. Not at all. And they shine a light on that. And 30 minutes is 30 minutes to burn. Not 30 minutes of healthy sun, 30 minutes for that patch of skin to burn. Factor 50 is 50 minutes for that patch of skin to burn. So then that tells us that actually we need to be placing quite a lot of sunscreen every single day because it's cumulative. We get cumulative exposure. So if you're using a tinted moisturizer that has factor 10, it's almost a false sense of security because of it's not protecting you and that only protects you for a few hours at factor 10. So imagine how strong the sun would need to be to burn in 10 minutes. That's, you know, it would be extremely, so you're not protecting yourself from daily sun exposure. So a good rule of thumb to remember how much sunscreen to use is just your first two fingers and you just start at the base of your finger and do a swipe up to the top from the base of the second of the third finger all the way up to the top these two and that is how much you need for your head and neck your head and neck two fingerfuls all the way along the length of those two fingers your first two fingers my goodness i mean that is i have to say even on a sunny day that is probably not what i'd be doing for my head and neck that's that's key and if you're doing that and what i always say with sunscreen is you have to find something that you love you love as much as for me cleansing. I love cleansing. So something that you really, really love that doesn't feel like hard work, doesn't leave a cast, smells nice, feels good. And if you're dry, it doesn't leave, it doesn't make your skin feel chalky. If you're oily, it doesn't make you feel greasy. You need to love using it like your moisturizer. Put it on every single day so you no longer think about it. It's just something that's just part of your, your wellness routine. And if you can find a sunscreen like that, it becomes easy. Yeah. Interesting. And looking at darker skin tones, because I think, you know, I've, I've got friends with darker skin who will say, well, that's fine. You know, I, I, I never burn. I'm, I'm fine. You know, genetically, I can just go out and sit all day in the sun and it's fine. Is that a message that still needs to carry across regardless of your skin tone? Absolutely, regardless of your skin tone. So the deepest, darkest brown person that you can think of, the maximum suns sunscreen their skin could possibly ever give them is about a factor 13 and we need to get to factor 30 that is the number that we need to get to so nobody has factor 30 skin nobody does the other element of this is in my practice the number one concern that my skin of color patients have is hyperpigmentation uneven skin tone dark circles around the eyes melasma around the sides very uneven because of this cell-to-cell -cell signaling that changes with time so the skin that was once flawless, I never have a pimple, nothing, I never have a mark on my skin, as you age, suddenly starts to change. 
And whilst deep lines and wrinkles may not be the primary concern, mottled pigmentation is a huge concern and that can be completely prevented by sunscreen. By sunscreen. And then are we then going back with the cell-to-cell -cell signaling to look at azelaic acid? Azelaic acid also works beautifully. And the, one of the great things about azelaic acid is that it can be used in pregnancy, it can be used in breastfeeding, it's helpful for pigmentation, it's helpful for spots, it's helpful for redness. It's just one of these amazing ingredients that we don't talk about enough. That's, that's extraordinary. I'm, I'm so fascinated. I'm sure that will resonate with a lot of people listening. Now, in 2020, you founded the Black Aesthetics Advisory Board. What was that all about? And, and let's hear a little bit more about the organisation. Yes, yeah, so the Black Aesthetic Advisory Board was founded by myself and three other colleagues who, in the wake of what happened with George Floyd, it was just so devastating. And it really affected me personally. I think it, it awoke kind of a hurt that many people didn't even know that they had. Um, and I was approached by many different ethnicities just saying, you know, what is the impact this has had on you? Have you really ever had, in 2020, are you, is, is race really a thing? Is it really a thing? And I reflected on this a lot. And the questions that I was getting made me realize that the experiences that I have and a lot of other colleagues and people who are brown and consider themselves brown and black have, actually a lot of people don't know about this. And they don't know why they would be so triggered or why they would feel so hurt by you know, seeing this man that they don't know getting murdered on TV, you know, live, and actually seeing their brothers, their fathers, their cousins, their sons, that it could have been them. And the small things that happen to people daily, you know, not being allowed into places, um, being foregoed, um, uh, erased just because of the color of your skin. Little things that are little things, big things all the time. And we looked around and said, okay, in aesthetics, skin is one of the, I mean, skin. You know, this is skin tone is very, very important in what I do. What are we doing about this? What are we saying about this? What are brands doing or saying about this? And there were some brands that made it clear that their initial focus or their long-term goals were to ensure that their products were suitable for all skin types. And that's the part of the conversation that in what I do, how that's how I can add to the conversation in what I do. And we looked around and we said some people didn't, they wanted to act, but they weren't sure what to do or how to do it. They didn't want to use the wrong words. They were afraid of using words like black skin or brown skin. They, they, didn't, they didn't want to seem performative, but they wanted to ensure, at least in the future, that they were catering to all skin types and specifically ensuring that their, their black patients had a voice and were catered to and so that's why the Black Aesthetic Advisory Board was founded, to help brands. First of all, we just started off by surveying, saying, okay, is this really an issue? It might be an issue for me, but is this really an issue? Asking the public, what's your experience of accessing skin and beauty and having brown skin? Then asking practitioners, what's your, what's your feeling when you um, treat black and brown skin? How do you feel? You know, is there a barrier? Is there even a problem there? And then asking brands, looking at brands and saying, okay, what's your, do you feel you are able to adequately cater to black and brown skin? And what are the barriers? And just assessing it initially. And the information that we got back was mind blowing actually. 
from patients and from consumers, the overarching word was fear. Being afraid that if they went to a practitioner, they either wouldn't be listened to or that they could be harmed because they didn't, the person didn't know how to treat their skin. From practitioners, there was an overwhelming want for more education in treating brown and black skin. And you know, when we delve into that, you can see that it's education. Like even medical education doesn't have that open, here's this condition in brown skin, here's this condition in Asian skin, here's a condition in Caucasian skin, side by side. You know, we, it's just not taught like that. That's so interesting. So actually one of the, the root causes is lack of education through medical school. And presumably, you know, would you like to see more up-to-date training perhaps with clinicians when looking at different colors of skin when covering dermatology? Both in medical education, also in beauty, because actually lots of people will never need to go to their doctor for skin, but they may have laser hair removal, they may have a facial, they may have their eyebrows waxed, they may have, they may have their hair done and go to the hairdressers. You know, our hairdressers trained to treat all skin or hair type. It's that, it's having it as just being part of normal. So I go to a hairdresser and they look at my hair and they say, oh, we can't do your hair. And that's just normal for me. But actually, that shouldn't be normal. It shouldn't be normal. It should be, we've been trained. This is part of our education that we've been trained to treat, to, to be able to look after every hair type. So it's, it's everywhere, actually. It's not just medical education. It's beauty. It's, 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 it should just be the norm. Yes. Fantastic. Well, it's people like you who are making it so, and, and thank you so much for, for being part of the show today. Can you remind us, please, where we can find you? I know lots of people will be seeking you out on social media or online. What are your main kind of follows or points of contact? Sure. So you can see me at Adonia Medical Clinic. Um, we are a skin, hair and a wellness clinic based in West London. So it's just www.adoniamedicalclinic.co.uk. I have an Instagram um, account where I will chat to everybody <laughs> and I make lots of these little videos uh -huh. just on everything, on everything from skin, hair, skincare, um, and things that you can just start in your life, removing all the jargon. And it's, so you're going to need a pen for this one. It's doctor as in DR and then underscore my first name, which is India Foxtrot Echo. O-M-A, so Ifoma, I-F-E-O-M-A, underscore Ejikene, E-J-I-K-E-M-E. But if you just put Adonian Medical Clinic, it'll also come up. Oh, excellent. Well, I'll make sure that we put those <laughs> links okay, in the podcast notes. So if you haven't got the pen and paper uh, and, or, or rewound to find that little bit um, of, of uh, chat. So yes, we will, we will link to you directly. And obviously this will go out across all our social media channels as well, because it's just so interesting. I'd love to, to continue the discussion talking about all sorts of other things. I feel that we've literally scratched the surface, if you excuse the pun, on all the things that we could talk about. So thank you very much indeed for being with us today. It has been such a pleasure, Rose. It's been really a pleasure. I love talking to you. Thank you. Well, I don't know about you, but I found that completely fascinating. And I think I'm going to have to re-listen with a pencil and paper. That is it for today's episode. Huge thanks to Ifoma. And as always, you will find all the links and the resources that we mentioned over on lizalwellbeing.com. And there you can sign up for my free weekly newsletter filled with plenty more tips for skin, for feeling and looking very well. 
Huge thanks to all of you who have left us such lovely reviews, especially on iTunes. It really does help others to find the show. And if you have a moment to click the five little star review buttons at the end of this podcast, we would all be extremely grateful. So until the next time, go well. Bye-bye. Nazal Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Nazal, with production by Amaryllis Earl and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue, with thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, and guest booker, Millie de la Morinière. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Kristen. And this is Jen from My Mom So Hard. And we're here to talk about By Heart. Do you remember when you were nursing and you were like, I want to give the best thing I can to my baby? Well, we've got that for you. It's called By Heart. And it is a infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code MOMS20 for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Tell them my mom so hard sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.